Hey, it's Nikki, and this is Getting Real. And today I am getting real with Alan G. Parker, filmmaker for It Was 50 Years Ago Today, The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, and Beyond. And this is available video on demand and DVD right now. How are you today, Alan? I'm not bad, yeah. Um, a busy few days, but uh, we're just opening in America, as you know. And uh, having already opened across Lon- London and in the UK and all the way across Europe and stuff, so... It's mad. You know, I'm still talking about a film in September that came out in May, but I guess that means it must be a good film, you know? Yeah, well, it is. And the thing about <laughs> The Beatles is that it really crosses over generations. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't even alive when The Beatles were the thing. I listened to The Beatles and was a huge fan of The Beatles since I discovered them, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old. The Beatles' music just transcends generations. I think it's one of those things. There's not a lot of bands on the planet that have got the same pull as they have, you know? Right. It's, it's quite funny. In my career, I've been to Tokyo twice. And I think our, our perception, I guess, in life is that certain rock bands are very, very big, certain rock bands are big, and certain rock bands are just well-known, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's only when you actually arrive in Japan that you start to realize that the Beatles, the Stones, and Queen, and Metallica, and them kind of bands aren't actually really rock and roll bands at all. They're actually almost quasi-religious figures as far as the East is concerned because they, they're, they're upheld in the same way that, say, God and Krishna and Buddha, a Buddha are. You know, It's like yeah. when you talk about those bands in places like Japan, you're not talking about rock and roll stars. You're talking about demigods, you know? So, yeah, well, and it's, it's so... It's one, but there you go. And it's so funny that you bring that up because that was such a controversy when John Lennon basically made the statement saying we're bigger than Jesus Christ. It is a funny one, you know, it's, it, it, there's, this, there's a saying, you know, sometimes people say that certain things can, all, can only happen in certain places, you know. Mm-hmm. And John gave that statement to um, a UK news reporter for the Evening Standard newspaper here in London in the early summer of 1966. It wasn't even sold to an American teen magazine until the late summer of 1966. So it was sold to... Um, a magazine called Datebook, editor was a guy called Art Hunger, who happened to know um, the Beatles press officer, Tony Barrow, quite well. And Tony sold him the story, thinking it would just uh, whip up a little bit of fun before the next US tour. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Tony, apparently the day that Datebook came out, that particular issue of Datebook, was a bank holiday, a public holiday in most parts of America, with the exception of the Deep South and Alabama. Mm-hmm. So the first place this story broke was probably the worst place on the on the planet for it to break <laughs> right the bible belt <laughs> <laughs> right slap bang in the middle of the bible belt now in england nobody you know when it went when the story had gone through the evening standard back in the early part of summer 66 nobody had even blinked tonight they'd gone oh there's lennon mouthing off again that's what he does best and that's why we love him and on they went uh unfortunately when it was uh, you know when it was laid open to the people of the Bible Belt, I think it took about 12 hours before two DJs were already calling for a, the Beatles records to be banned. And then it, literally five minutes later, there were bonfires of Beatles albums and magazines, newspapers, scrapbooks, you name it. The people, the kids who three, two, three years earlier had been big fans were now burning their Beatles memorabilia because their parents said that John Lennon was anti-God. So <laughs> it was rather odd indeed, yeah. There was so much controversy, and it, it 
doesn't seem like a lot of controversy considering, you know, the kinds of controversy that we have with artists today. But back then, any yeah. kind of controversy was a big deal and people reacted much differently yeah. then than they do now. Do you think that some of that controversy had a lot to do with the success that they saw during their career? I think it probably did. I think it's only, you know, if, if say, for instance, some minor level rock star or TV star makes some big mistake, even now in the 21st century, we might read about it on social media for, say, five hours, then it's gone. Right, know? yeah. Whereas even now, if, you know, if, 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 if Paul McCartney or one of the guys from Metallica or Madonna or, you know, someone of that ilk um, made some kind of mistake now, we're going to be reading about it for weeks and weeks and months to come because it, it, it's kind of, I think it's just the way the media works. You know, we, um, we, build, we build people up very nicely, but always we, it would seem in some, some sectors, of, of course, that it's normally with an eye to knocking them down one day. And I've never particularly believed in that, but it, it does go on, so we see it firsthand, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the Beatles, during their career, they had so many different eras of the Beatles. I think the Beatles' career, this, this is making it way too easy, but as a big Beatles fan myself, me and a few friends have always said, um, you can actually cut it into four sections. If it was a cake, it could, could it be it could be cut into four very equal slices. Uh-huh. The first one, which revolves around about the first three or four albums, is basically the sort of young, fab, raw, savage Beatles era. You yep. know? Yep. The second section, which revolves really around the Hard Day's Night and Help movies, mm-hmm. is the sort of um, fab, groovy, mop-tops era. Then there's the psychedelic era, which kind of goes Sergeant Pepper, Magical Mystery Tour, Yellow Submarine. Yes. And then there's the hippie era, which is basically um, White Album, Abbey Road, Let It Be. So it is, it is kind of over, oversimplifying things, but even this huge band, you can take their career and grow a circle and, and you can cut it into four very equal pieces. And I guess with that in mind, our, our career, sorry, our movie um, deals with Section 3. Mm-hmm. So that would be where we're at, you know? Yeah, and even if you just break it down into this one section, there's still so much that happened during yeah. that time. And there were so many rumors about the Beatles breaking up because there was so much change going on, not only you know with the band and with the music that they were developing, but uh, amongst the, the guys themselves. Yeah. I think it's odd when you think that, you know, in 1966, they had a very chaotic year. There was all these things going on. There was the Bible Belt thing we just discussed earlier in America. There was death threats in Manila because they unintentionally snubbed Madame Markov. And um, there was all kinds of different things going on, you know, here, there and everywhere. Um, They couldn't hear themselves on stage. There was no point really in continuing touring because they couldn't hear a word they were singing. There's a funny story in the movie where... I won't say where it is at the moment because it's quite a rude story that yes. John was literally changing <laughs> lyrics on stage just because he knew damn well no one could hear them, much less themselves, you know, the Beatles themselves. So that's all going on. They then decide to call time on their touring days and become just a studio-based band. And, uh, you know, you look at it, you think, well, therefore, surely then, 1967 is going to be a much quieter year for them. Mm-hmm. because they won't have to make a movie and they won't have to, um, you know, tour the world anymore. Then you look at what actually happens in 1967 and you've got John meeting Yoko, the death of Brian Epstein, the Strawberry Fields single, the Sgt. Pepper album, the introduction of the Maharishi, the Transcendental Meditation, 
this, the, the drugs, the psychedelic era, the LSD, the way London just blew up in such a way that it was even leading for a short time New York and San Francisco and all those places. And this all happens in the one year that's supposed to almost be the year off. Right. You know? <laughs> yes, so much was going on. And I love how this movie really, you know, touches on all of these things. It feels to me like there's so little left out. You really get to understand what they were going through as a band. And the people that are involved in the making of this film were all there and, and part of it. Yes. It's... Um... I can't take credit for this next bit, but I must say that it is quite funny. When we were making the movie, because quite a few of the team that we work with are huge Beatles fans like myself, and we were having little jokes in the studio about how in-depth we were being, you know, how much we were, we were finding these great new stories that we'd never read before in the Mountain of Beatles books that exist. We were finding this great new footage that we'd never seen before, despite all the DVDs and Blu-rays that we own. And just about 38 hours ago, there was a review came through from America from a website called Den of Geek. It's a movie website. Mm -hmm. And the headline on their review, which I love so much, I've asked them to add it to some of the promotional posters because I just think it's exactly what we made. It says, and I'll quote, this doc is a must-see for Beatles OCDs. It is a should-see for Beatlemaniacs, and a what-the-hell-go-on, we might as well watch it anyway for music fans. <laughs> great quote <laughs> and i think that's the film we made we knew we we're making that film yes <laughs> yes and it is it's a quality film it's very good it is a wonderful film for any beatles fan or even any passing fan even if you weren't a diehard fan just anyone who has yeah. ever listened to a beatles album album and could appreciate the artistry in it i think there was you know there was always a sort of uh gap if you like because in 2015, there was an announcement made that Ron Howard was going to make a film about the Beatles, which, of course, was eight, eight days a week. And it was about the touring years. And you think, well, it's going to be a great film because Ron Howard's an incredible director. But also, it was very easy to see that the film would end around about the time that the touring ended, therefore about the time of the Jesus controversy and mm -hmm. various other things going on with Madame Marcos and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought to myself, hang on a minute. That isn't exactly my favorite period. My favorite period starts just about then. Because my favorite albums, I could say out loud, are Rubber Soul Revolver, Sgt. Pepper White album. That's my era that I really love the most, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I sat down with the production team and I said, um, what would it be like, I wonder, to have the privilege of making Star Wars 2 without ever having to write the script for, find the budget for, or make Star Wars 1. <laughs> and they looked and they said, what the hell are you talking about? I said, what if we made a film that carried on from exactly where Ron Howard left off? Nice. And they looked at me and they said, are you, are you insane? I said, no, it, I think we can do it. And they said, well, we're never going to get the Beatles permission because they only work with big name Hollywood directors now. I said, well, hang on a minute. We're making a film about the biggest selling album on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Why do we need the Beatles' permission? We we kind of, I would presume that everybody who's going to see this film has either got Sergeant Pepper or is probably liable to go out and buy it afterwards, right? Yep. So I'm presuming they know it now. As I said to someone on an interview the other day, if I was making a film about the rather difficult 
27th Frank Zappa album, then yes, I would need the, um, the music to play you to illustrate what we're talking about. But in this instance, we're really telling the backstory of a very important album that I would presume everybody on the planet has heard at least twice. So that's really my, that was really my reasoning for say, okay, let's go ahead and do it. And you did a fantastic job with it. You can check it out now. It was 50 years ago today. The Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, and Beyond is available on DVD, Blu-ray, and video on demand. Alan G. Parker, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today about this amazing film. Not a problem at all. Thank you for having me.